Hello, and welcome to The Stockout. The Stockout is your show at FreightWaves for all things related to CPG companies, supply chains, and CPG company supply chains. I am your host, Mike Bowdendistel. I'm an analyst, a market expert at FreightWaves. Do a lot of the writing um, for the, the Passport Research product that you can find on the FreightWaves Sonar blog. Uh, also do a twice-weekly uh, newsletter that you're welcome to sign up for at www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stockout, where I'll go through what's happening in the world of CDPG companies, try to relate that to what we're seeing in our data in freight waves um, and uh, you know things along those lines. Uh, today on the stockout, uh, no guests, but uh, there is a lot of news to, to discuss. Uh, it seems like the companies that I've been following for the stockout uh, are moving at odds with a uh, stock market that keeps hitting new highs. Uh, I've been uh, watched... Uh, the um, you know meeting with uh, Beyond Meat uh, the other day, and you know, that one's been uh, you know selling off. Also, Treehouse, which is a company that does uh, a lot of the manufacturing for private label food. So those companies have both been under pressure, you know, this year. So I'll talk a little bit about that. Give a little bit of, of rundown of the news, and I'll talk about the newest FreightWaves uh, data product, which is FreightWaves Track, uh, Trusted Rate uh, Anal- Analytics uh, Consortium or Assessment Consortium. So there it is. Uh, I'll, I'll go through and, and tell you why uh, that's good for CPG companies and are good candidates for using that product, even if it was initially designed for, for brokers. I think CPG companies and brokers think about the world in the same uh, way. Um, but before I do all that, uh, a word from our sponsor. Our sponsor uh, today is Flock Freight. Uh, keep track of moving parts and adhering to strict distribution schedules isn't always easy for a CPG business. Fortunately, we have a solution for your mid-sized freight. Flock Freight's tech-driven shared truckload service is the only one on the market that provides low damage rates and free carbon-neutral offsets, all while keeping your customers happy with on-time load-to-ride delivery. Upgrade to a reliable shipping experience at flockfreight.com. That's F-L-O-C-K-F-R-E-I-G-H-T.com. Uh, so big uh, thank you to Flock Freight uh, for sponsoring today's podcast uh, and today or, or show. I think we're supposed to say show at, at Freightways rather than podcast. Uh, but with that, uh, I'll talk about my first topic, which is a topic um, that you might have seen on the, the Freightways um, newsletter that went out uh, this morning. Uh, Beyond Meat gets battered. Uh, so to Beyond Meat, I was thinking this was going to be a relatively uneventful uh, quarter, um, you know, at least earnings release because they had already pre-announced, uh, you know, to for for sales to be less than you know, expectations. This is is one where, um, you know, not profitable yet, but the the revenue uh, had been growing pretty quickly. So it's it's one of those speculative names that is almost uh, kind of the food equivalent of a electric vehicle manufacturer. If you sort of think of a, of, of what uh, you know, why investors would would invest in the in the stock. We don't know how big that. Uh, you know, alternative sources for protein is is going to be, you know, Beyond Meat is, is sort of most known for the burgers, um, but also is, is pretty quickly, you know, diversifying into chicken and, and other, you know, protein sources it has inked a lot of partnerships with, uh, you know, various fast food companies. So shares of Beyond Meat um, are down 18% this week after a disappointing fourth quarter outlook, which was really the thing that sort of surprised uh, the street after already having pre-announced this third quarter uh, average street estimate for the fourth quarter uh, for revenue was 130.5 million. The company guided 85 million to 110 million. So it was, um, you know, good 20 to let's call it 20 to 30 percent plus below 
uh, you know, what the street was expecting. Of course, that's going to be enough to send the, the, the shares down. I think, um, you know, where how this you know, company trades is a lot to do with, you know, revenue growth rates. And, you know, if you sort of exclude um, the international markets, which are still growing very fast at a low base in the international markets, but in, in the third quarter uh, in the U.S., uh, third quarter revenue declined 13.9%. And that's really a far cry from uh, what we've seen uh, Beyond Meat do in, in recent quarters. I mean, some of these quarters, they've grown over 100%, and, and that's why it's gotten to be a, a popular you know, stock, uh, although uh, the whole while it has been somewhat of a controversial stock. Um, but aside from you know that that all their own uh, you know outlook, we also heard from you know a competitor, uh, Maple Food, the Maple Leaf Foods this week, of course, Canadian company, and they participate in plant protein in addition to you know more traditional foods. But um, you know they were um, you know uh, you know had had you know, concerning remarks about the alternative you know, protein you know market as well. They said you know that that the plant protein was disappointing, driven by lower than expected. You know, category growth. So not just them, but they're saying the whole the whole category um, was not going to meet the their sales expectations for the second half of, of, of 2021. So it doesn't seem like it's it's strictly a beyond meat issue. It does seem like it's a little bit broader uh, than that. Um, and uh, Maple Leaf uh, Foods said the plant protein category has declined since its third quarter 2020 peak. And, um, you know, it's it, it sort of contracted from that. So that was a little bit more forceful than what we heard, heard from Beyond Meat, uh, you know, this week. Beyond Meat was uh, blaming its third quarter and fourth quarter performance, uh, you know, to things like Delta variant hitting these food service pro- uh, businesses hard, a pull forward of demand from the third quarter, you know, into the second quarter, some downtime at some of their manufacturing facilities, difficulty sourcing, you know, packaging, and, and even an explosion at one of company's key suppliers. So it did almost seem like, well, what could go wrong did go wrong. Um, but I think this is also sparking, um, you know, some it's sort of igniting this debate of, of is the plant protein uh, segment, you know, was that a little bit overhyped? I mean, some of these companies talk about their core uh, sort of target market as being flexitarians, which uh, if you don't know what a flexitarian is, that's someone who eats meat, but at the same time, wants to include plant-based uh, sources of protein um, to sort of diversify their diet, maybe you know, get a little bit healthier, et cetera, but not giving you know, up on the, the, the meat that they love. So not, not a vegetarian, not a, a full meat eater, a flexitarian. Um, maybe there's not as many flexitarians as uh, Beyond Meat you know, and, and some investors you know, believe, um, and, and, that's sort of the, and that's sort of the concern. But, but clearly, um, you know, with this company, the uh, you know, impact has been most uh, acutely felt in the food service business. Typical year, their revenue is split 50-50 between um, the food service, which is, is basically eating outside the home, and you know, the packaged food, which you would get in a grocery store right now. It's 78.22 in favor of the packaged uh, you know, food business. You know, the company is, uh, you, know, ex- ex- you know, more than exploring, but it is also, um, you're going to have various partnerships that are coming to fruition with, you know, a lot of these sort of fast food, food service, they call them quick service restaurants, um, you know, certain parts of the, the country and certain parts of the world, you can already get a McPlant at a McDonald's. Um, I don't think they have that here in the Dallas yet, um, but, uh, you know, company says it, it tastes great. We'll see. I mean, you do have to wonder if, you know, the, the consumers that are interested in uh, you know, plant-based, uh, you know, meat alternatives are the same, you know, consumers that would, would go to a McDonald's. And then it also, I think, puts pressure on the company to live up to its expectation of getting to cost parity with traditional sources of meat. They've said that they're going to do that for at least one protein source. 
uh, within the next two and a half years. You haven't said which protein source that's going to be, but uh, you know the fact that they're moving more into you know a lot of these fast food you know type restaurants, um, you know, McDonald's, Pizza Hut, um, you know Panda Express, et cetera, I think puts more pressure on them to do that uh, quicker because those are, are price uh, you know, conscious uh, you know, consumers. So, you know, I thought all those things were, were you know, interesting. Um, and uh, I think we'll have more to study pretty soon. It does seem like Impossible Foods is likely to go public um, at some point, maybe next year, um, just based on comments that, you know, the, 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 that company's CEO has said, you know, publicly um, and, you know, sort of for my money, I think the Impossible uh, burger does taste better than the, than the Beyond Merck burger. I do think the big caveat there is that they're constantly rolling out new, uh, you know, versions of those products. Is you know Beyond, you know, version 3.0 going to taste you know dramatically better than version 2.0? It 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 could. So um, you know who who knows you know in the future if if, if that perception uh, you know holds. But you know concerning things, but you know this this uh, you know quarter about uh, the the, the plant based. You know, food uh, products, um, and so maybe that's good news for those uh, whose uh, business is more in the traditional, you know, type food products. Now, topic number two here is uh, Treehouse Foods is exploring strategic alternatives. So, Treehouse Foods, if you don't know who they are, they are, um, you know, one of the big uh, manufacturers of food um, for private label. So, you know, a customer of theirs would be, you know, Trader Joe's. Which you go to Trader Joe's, it's all private label. It's all the Trader Joe's or Trader Ming. Or Trader Jose, you know, brands. Um, and, and so Treehouse Foods is, is one of the companies that, you know, manufactures food that goes into that, into that channel, you know, has the advantage of not having to, um, you know, advertise those products. Um, so, so it doesn't, doesn't really have, you know, a marketing, you know, budget the way that, you know, a, a traditional sort of CPG, you know, company, uh, you know, has. And, uh, you know, this company has struggled this year, which is part of the reason why it's come under, you know, activist pressure. Um, so, so, so far this year, Shares are down 19% year to date. So um, another company that in, in packaged food, its shares have, have really underperformed what has been a, a surging uh, stock market. And um, you know, really, that's part of the reason why it's come under kind of come under activist uh, you know pressure. That there was an activist, a Jana Partners, that you know bought a position was disclosed in February. They also got a couple of board seats added in in, in March. And you know, Treehouse Food announced you know earlier this week that they're you know, exploring strategic alternatives. So this could mean a sale of the entire business. It could mean a sale of, you know, part of the business, um, you know, getting rid of maybe the the the, the meal prep uh, business, but holding on to the snacks, which is sort of the more profitable, faster growing, you know, business. But to sort of uh, put this in perspective of, of how, you know, quickly um, their fortunes have, have, have changed, the original, you know, EBIT guidance going into the year for Treehouse Foods was 305 million. And after about three different cuts, it's 165 million. So it's it's 45 percent lower EBIT um, than what the company had expected going into this this year. So um, it's been you know disappointing uh, you know run for for Treehouse Foods. And I think the uh, you know part of the one of the themes that I've talked about a lot on uh, the stock out has been sort of the, the the back and forth between the national brands and private label. And and really during the pandemic, the national brands have really you know, stood out as as being those that um, you know benefited from consumers having a little bit more, you know, discretionary you know income. Uh, maybe it felt you know, made them feel a little bit better to you know use those those trusted brands that they that they grew up with. But um, the national you know, brands, no question, have performed you know a little bit better. 
Um, but some interesting data that uh, Treehouse uh, provided, you know, showing that private label demand so far in the second half has clawed back some of that uh, market share. And what's interesting is that they showed the states that opted out of some of the extended, uh, you know, benefits programs, um, you know, saw private label, you know, take some share from national brands a little bit sooner than you know some of the other states that you know did not opt out of. The, some of these national benefit you know, programs, um, which expire here, I, I think they just expired in, at the end of you know, September. So you know, they're optimistic that private label um, is going to continue to take share. Um, you know, that may be the case also with inflation um, you know, continuing to surge. And, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the inflation data because you probably saw it you know, elsewhere, but you know, inflation basically being at a, at a, at a 30 um, you know, thirty-year high. Uh, it was like six percent, and you know there was some good, you know, graphics on on food specifically, where um, you know a lot of these meat products are up uh, close to thirty percent, and things like you know ground beef and uh, you know turkey and bacon. Those um, a lot of those meat products are are really surging, uh, you know, strongly, which I think is part of the reason why you know, the Biden administration is cracking down on the concentration of um, you know, meat processors. You know, in that industry, as as part of its plan to increase uh, you know, competition throughout the um, you know you know throughout the the industries in in, in the United States. Um, so uh, also, you know, interesting thing that Treehouse says their pricing increased three percent. So that's not the type of thing that's going to be adequate to uh, you know offset their own cost inflation, and that's a big part of why you know that that EBIT number for the year is down forty five percent you know year over year. Um, but it's it's definitely you know one company that I'm going to continue to pay attention to in terms of okay are are the the national brands going to continue to gain share from the from the the, the private label or are we going to see some shift you know back uh, to private label um, maybe as people you know try to do something to offset uh, inflation which is unfortunately probably rising faster than a lot of people's uh, incomes at, at at current levels. Uh, moving on, uh, topic number three: uh, freight waves uh, rolled out track which is the Trusted Rate Assessment Consortium. I think I missed, uh, said that uh, acronym you know, earlier, still, st- still getting the hang of that one. Uh, but the idea here is, uh, if you look at this, this chart, um, for those who can see the, the, the screen on the video portion of it, is what we're doing is um, you know, taking uh, what we think the spot rate is in between two cities. And, and so here, we're just using Chicago to Dallas. That's a quarter. There's lots of truck uh, traffic. So, um, you know, we have a confidence score of five out of five. So, you know, we're looking at a lot of data points and there's a lot going to be a lot of data points that are, the origin destination are, are the same as, as whatever the user puts in. So the user puts, you know, chooses whatever uh, origin and destination that, you know, he, he needs. Uh, he specifies whether it's a dry van or a reefer, you know, load. And we're, um, you know, calculating what, the, the spot rate is, and we're doing this um, really by interfacing with uh, well over a dozen uh, companies that participate every day in the freight spot market. Those are primarily freight brokerages and 3PLs, so they're buying transportation capacity you know, every day. And these are buy rates, which means that this is the, the, the rate that a broker is paying the carrier or a shipper is paying the carrier, and you know I would make the argument that um, you know a shipper looks at uh, the freight transportation market, um, you know, an awful lot like like a broker does. They're they're trying to get um, you know their uh, freight moved from one place to another at the lowest possible rate. 
um, you know, when uh, the, the, in, in the spot market that those are for cases, I mean, ideally, you know, shipper wouldn't have their freight, you know, go out of the, the routing guide into the spot market. But when it does, um, that, that's how, you know, the freight is, the freight is going to move. So if you're a shipper, you can use this tool to know, you know, what is a fair quote, you know, what, what you should be paying um, and uh, gives you a, gives you a range. And, uh, you know, some of the benefits of, of this, uh, you know, pro, uh, uh, product is that, you know, we're able to extrapolate what the, the rate, you know, should be, you know, based on looking at not just, you know, similar loads, but, um, sort of weighting those loads by the ones that were most recently quoted, um, you know, giving more, more weight to the ones, let's say if they were, you know, a day ago versus you know, a week ago and, and also giving more weight, you know, to the, 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 rates that were extremely close to the origin or, and, or the destination. And so this is a more sophisticated, um, you know, product than a lot of what's, what else is out there. It's also a, a product that has more visibility. Um, you know, a lot of the competing products, you know, you put in, uh, your origin destination, you get a, a spot rate, but you have no idea how that's calculated or how much confidence you should be. You know, we break it down by, um, you know, the, the number of loads that went into calculating that, um, you know, that rate and also, um, you know, how far the distance was from those origin destinations. So you can sort of make your own uh, assessment as to, um, you know, whether you want to rely on that information or not based on, um, you know, the, the you know, amount of data that, that, that goes into it. So, um, you know, would, uh, you know, recommend that uh, shippers, CPG and otherwise, um, you take a look at that. And uh, with time left, I'll you know have here. I'll, I'll give a little bit more of a rundown of, of other things that happened in the world of CPG. You know, there still was a lot. Um, you know, elsewhere in CPG, the aluminum can shortage. I've talked about the aluminum can shortage before. You know, that continues to be a problem for uh, packaged goods companies. That came to light after Monster Beverage reported that in its third quarter continued to experience aluminum can costs that have been rising, uh, both due to commodity prices as well as higher costs for importing. Aluminum cans. Aluminum cans is not something that would usually be imported, but um, a lot of the CPG companies have had to resort to to, to doing that um, in, in light of a, a lack of aluminum uh, cans. So it's it's just one of the, the many things that have been short, you know, during um, you know during the pandemic. And aluminum cans are do seem to be taking share from other types of packaging of drinks uh, for a few reasons. I think they have a higher um, you know, compliance in terms of um, you know, recycling. So they're more environmentally efficient. There's more of the energy is retained during the recycling process. So as more and more companies, um, you know, want to have a, a greener uh, supply chain, aluminum, aluminum cans are uh, you know, going to be growing. Um, and then, you know, another reason it's, it's you know, that the marketers have more of an opportunity to really make a, a, you know, strong design on a can than they do on a, on a bottle to really reinforce their, their brand. So aluminum cans, Continue to be an issue for for, for beverage, uh, you know, companies, beer and soft drink companies. Uh, Cargill um, is uh, opening a specialty fats plant in Malaysia, which is part of its program to expand its global portfolio of fats, uh, especially fats production. So this was reported by uh, the Food Business News, which I think is, you know, also has another is a good you know newsletter to, to keep on top of uh, CPG companies and their supply chains. This is a $35 million expansion, and the, the Cargill is undergoing as part of a $100 million a Cargill investment um, to expand the company's portfolio in, in, in specialty fats. Specialty fats will be used in a lot of in a lot of baked goods, um, you know, something to, to influence the, the the flavor of of, of of food products. 
And another news item I thought was interesting here is, uh, you know, a lot of the, the CPG companies are, are really sort of ratcheting back on how much they're spending on advertising. And um, the idea here is, you know, there's certain uh, products, as we've all experienced, are, are in short supply. And, you know, does it really make sense to advertise a product if the consumer is going to go to the store and not see that product on the shelves? I talked about this um, the other week in the, um, the Stockout newsletter when, uh, you know, Kellogg, uh, you know, scaled back on advertising a lot of its cereals. Um, you know, the Kellogg, you know, had supply issues with, with labor. I mean, the, the Kellogg workers were on, were on strike. Um, you know, a lot of the, that, that funny art with uh, Tony the Tiger with a, a pitch, uh, uh, um, you know, saying he's on a Steve Reich. So, uh, a lot of other companies doing that elsewhere in the CPG you know, industry. The Wall Street Journal t- uh, cited Hershey's, Church and Dwight and Kimberly Clark also um, you know, ratcheting back their marketing budgets. And, you know, that might also, you know, be one of the reasons why a company like Treehouse, which manufactures food but doesn't advertise it, um, is underperforming a lot of those national brands. You know, not only are the national brands selling better than a lot of the, the private labels, but uh, the national brands have that lever of marketing that, you know, if they don't feel like they need to advertise as much because their sales are 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 good enough or there's their stockouts, you know, that's pretty significant when they when they pull back on on those on those costs. I mean, it's kind of one lever that the national CPG brands have been able able to pull in order to deal with rising costs for you know, things like contract manufacturing, freight costs, package, packaging material, labor, all of those, you know, and, and ingredients, sort of all those components that have uh, you know, seen a lot of inflation, you know, this year. Um, and, uh, you know, on that topic, a Clorox, uh, you know, this week uh, talked about how, um, you know, it's, it's turning more to uh, contract manufacturers and suppliers. So, you know, one of the big trends in the you know, CPG world has been that um, those companies have made greater use of, you know, contract manufacturing, which is, you know, much more expensive, uh, but Clorox specifically uh, doing about 50% of its manufacturing with contract manufacturers typically would be about 20%. And they've maybe been a little bit reluctant to move move it to historically, to the historical levels of 20% because it seems like, um, you know, maybe they think that, you uh, after the pandemic sort of winds down uh, more fully, that uh, consumers will cut back on uh, you know, buying as many cleaning products. So that's that's been just another um, sort of headwind on the cost side that a lot of the CPG companies have had to face is, is these higher contract manufacturing you know costs. I'm seeing that from a lot of packaged food uh, materials as well. And then finally, uh, you know, uh, deal came across uh, earlier. Uh, Hershey's bought, buys Dots homemade pretzels. And it's co-manufactured for $1.2 billion. Um, Hershey's CEO calls this company the second largest deal they've done. And a growth play is CPG company uh, Hershey's uh, giant uh, expands into portfolio uh, beyond its sort of traditional, what you typically think of as associated with Hershey's, sort of the chocolates and, and, and those things. So big deal uh, there. Um, and uh, it seems like that's a trend in CPG world is that snacking. Uh, continues to be um, something that consumers continue to to do. Um, you know, have, have, haven't given up on that. You know, habit uh, just yet. Um, so those are really sort of our rundown of the news. Um, you know, happy to uh, you know interact with you if you want to reach out. Uh, I can be reached here at m bowdendistal uh, at freightwaves.com. Uh, m and my last name there. And then uh, if you are not signed up for the stockout newsletter, uh, feel free to do that at 
www.freightwaves.com forward slash the stockouts. Also have lots of other newsletters on you know, various other you know, topics. We just rolled one out on uh, the enterprise carriers. Um, so that's one to sign up for. We just did one called, uh, and call, called Call Check, which you know, pertains to the, the, the brokerage uh, you know, market uh, designed to hit you know, freight brokers. Uh, Andrew Cox does a good one on the retail industry. There's also one called Transmission on the automotive industry. Um, so, um, and that, that's in addition to all the ones that the, the editorial writers, uh, you know, put out, you know, there's a, there's a rail one, there's modern, you know, shipper, there's, there's all these, um, you know, more, more content than, than you can probably handle. But I think the idea is to have, uh, you know, sort of latch on to, you know, the, you know, the one or two sort of sections, topics that you're most interested in and, uh, FreightWaves will have something for you. So with that, um, and you know, wish everyone a good weekend and, um, we'll see you next uh, Friday.